friends. Welcome back to another episode of In No Hurry. I'm your host, Cole Douglas Claiborne. So happy to have you guys back for episode 10. The music that you're hearing is from my friend Ryan Allwart. Please make sure you check his music out. Let him know that you're enjoying hearing his music each week. My guest this week is Jason Romano. Jason is the host of the Sports Spectrum podcast. Sports Spectrum, we talked about it last week, is a magazine and website and podcast that covers the intersection of sports and faith. And so Jason's got a lot of great stories about athletes and coaches that he's been able to talk to and have them share their faith. And Jason also worked for about 17 years at ESPN. And so we're going to talk a lot about his career and kind of how he knew that it was the right time to leave ESPN and go work at Sports Spectrum, which is a little bit more aligned with his faith. So I had a really good time getting a chance to talk to Jason. We also talked about his first book that came out a couple years ago called Live to Forgive which is a story about uh, he and his father and him forgiving his father. And then he's got another book coming out later this year uh, about his years at ESPN, and it's kind of more focused on leadership. So a lot of really good stuff in this conversation. I was really happy to get a chance to sit down with Jason and have him share his story. So I hope you guys enjoy this. Here's my conversation with Jason Romano. Well, Jason Romano, thank you so much for joining the show. I'm excited to get a chance to talk to you. You know, with my background in sports journalism and then now kind of doing this faith-based project, in a lot of ways, you're the perfect guest for this show. So this is your sweet spot. So I'm excited to get a chance to talk to you. Thanks, Cole. Good to be on with you. Uh, Thanks for inviting me. I really appreciate it. So I wanted to kind of talk first, I guess, about your experience at ESPN. I think for anybody that works in sports journalism, that is obviously the ultimate dream job. And you worked there for a number of years, got to work with the Mike and Mike show, which is a very, very popular show. And then you reached a point where you kind of decided that you were called to do something else. Walk me through that process. And, you know, a lot, a lot of the guests that we've had on the show, we've talked about how they've relied on their faith to take a, a leap in their career or creatively or something like that. You know, they've heard God calling them to do something different. You went through a very similar experience. What was that like where you knew the time was right to leave ESPN? to then go work at Sports Spectrum to do something that was a little more aligned with your faith. Yeah, it was not something I ever expected, um, Cole. It was something that, for me, uh, ESPN was the pinnacle. And so for many years, um, first of all, it was great to work there. I worked there almost 17 years, and uh, and I loved my time working there. Uh, I got to do a lot of amazing uh, things, experiences, meet some amazing people, uh, both people to work with, and then certainly the heroes that I watched and rooted for as a kid growing up uh, because of that. And even opportunities now, opportunities to be on a podcast with you, opportunities to write books, to do uh, host a podcast, and soon a radio show, which I'm happy to talk about in a minute here. Uh, those don't come unless I worked for ESPN. So I get that that platform uh and, and, and God brought me there for a reason to work there. Uh, I thought I'd work there forever, to be quite honest with you. I never really thought I would leave. Uh, I, I entertained it maybe halfway through uh, talking to a few people. Um, there was a couple job openings that I was just curious about that I would talk to about potentially leaving, uh, but nothing serious. Uh, so I was really kind of set in just working my way up the corporate ladder and you know, working for the rest of my career, I guess, at a place like ESPN and why not? Right. Um, but somewhere along the lines, uh, I started at working at ESPN in 2000. Uh, I became a Christian, got really serious about my faith in 2001, but it wasn't until around 2009, 2010 to where 
I started questioning um, where God wanted wanted me to be. Uh, and and I didn't know what that looked like. I didn't know that meant leaving ESPN. I just felt like God had um, done a work in my life and I wanted to make sure I was honoring him with how I was, um, you know, with the work I was doing, I guess. And so 2010, 2011, 2012, you know, God was doing amazing things at ESPN. And I'm still thinking, am I even supposed to be here? So I did have those thoughts early on, I guess, seven, eight years ago. But it wasn't until 2015 and I was invited to speak at a conference in, and it was a small conference, a couple hundred people in Nashville. And this conference was a social media conference that had a bunch of social media, what you call influencers, experts in the faith space that were there. I was the only person at this conference who worked for a secular company um, that was speaking. Now, I was also a social media guy at that time. I was leading social media efforts for the NFL at ESPN. Uh, And so I was really intrigued to be you know, going to this conference to speak at it. I was really nervous. I hadn't done a lot of speaking up to that point. But then I watched and listened and met all of these amazing people who were doing the same thing I was doing, but for what I would say was for a greater cause, for a church, for a nonprofit, for a faith-based ministry. And that's really when the juices started flowing and the wheels started turning in my brain and thinking, maybe I am meant to do more than just work at ESPN for the rest of my life. And I marinated on that, prayed about that, uh, argued about that with God, uh, had conversations arguing about that with my wife. And through that process, uh, I stumbled across a person in 2015, right after this conference, on social media named Steve Stenstrom. Steve is a former NFL player, uh, played college ball at Stanford, um, really great player. But he was also leading a ministry called Pro Athletes Outreach. And him and I connected and we started talking and he, you know, heard my heart because I told him I was point blank honest. I said, I don't know if I'm supposed to leave ESPN, but I'm certainly open to it. I think more than I've ever been. What is pro athletes outreach? And so he he shared with me this ministry that serves professional athletes from a faith perspective. And I was really intrigued, thought maybe that was time to go, time to leave and go work for PAO. Uh, which is Pro Athletes Outreach, and it wasn't time. And so uh, it wasn't time for a variety of reasons, which I don't have enough time for probably to tell them (laughs) all. But let's just say it wasn't God's timing. And so I stayed at ESPN one more year. That was my best year at ESPN, my favorite year at ESPN, the most money I ever made at ESPN. And I got to work on Mike and Mike in the morning, basically in their last year uh, of being on the air. So I had an amazing amount of blessings, Uh, I was in a great place working at ESPN and yet I still knew that God was calling me away. And that's how I knew it was God versus just my own thoughts and feelings because I was in a great spot, not in a, in a bad spot. Fast forward three years ago, three plus years ago, I get a call from Steve Stenstrom again. He says, Hey Jason, pro athletes outreach just purchased sports spectrum. Have you heard of them? I said, I have actually, uh, I knew about sports and faith in the magazine and all that. And he says, well, we want to start a ministry, a media ministry with Sports Spectrum and have it be a podcast, which we'd love for you to, to help host and start. Uh, we'd love for you to help re- revamp our website, uh, help with the magazine and just kind of, you know, create a help us create this media company 
through sports spectrum that would reach people for the gospel. And that was when I said, I think this is it. And so I went back to God. I went back to my wife and I said, I think God's making this clear that it's time to step out and, and leave. And that's exactly what happened in February of 2017. It'll be two, three years in February that I said bye to ESPN and said hello to Sports Spectrum. That's awesome. Yeah, I know in my own experience, I've had instances where I felt like God was calling me to do something. And I actually wrote about this. I had a piece published in Relevant earlier this, or last summer, and it was all about waiting on the Lord. Yeah. And it was just all the different aspects of, you know, that's kind of how I came up with the idea of this podcast It's called in no hurry. There's just, you know, trying to wait on what the Lord is telling us. And oftentimes we can get it confused with our own desires and what God is telling us. I, I wrestled with that. I, I talked about this a number of times on this podcast already, but I've wrestled with that a number of times in terms of writing this own book. You know, I thought for two years, there's no way that I should write this book. I'm, I'm not qualified to write a faith-based book. I didn't go to seminary. Second guess myself. And, you know, I guess in a long way, I'm kind of asking, how did you know initially that this is not the right time to leave ESPN and that I needed to wait a couple of years? And then what was it that kind of helped you solidify? Yes. Okay. Now this is the right time to leave. I love this question because uh, I actually preached about this at my church too, about patience, right? And, and I talk to a lot of athletes and I ask them what they're learning from God right now. That's sort of the question that we ask on our podcast. And I would say 70% of them say patience. So it is hard to be patient. It's hard to know when uh, it's God calling and not ourselves. For me, when I was that first time in 2015, you know, I was offered in essence a position to go work for pro athletes outreach and leave ESPN. And I wanted to go and it was not clear on what the role was. It wasn't clear on, you know, uh, if we had to move away to Colorado or stay in Connecticut where I live, none of that was really clear. And I remember going to my wife and just saying, I want out, I'm ready to go. Let's go. And she said, Whoa, <laughs> slow, slow your roll, pal. Uh, what are you talking about? And in my, in prayers and thoughts, my wife was just knew that it wasn't God. Now here's how I kind of mentioned this earlier, but here's how I truly knew. In 2015, I was probably at my worst place at ESPN. Uh, not as far as not enjoying the work or knowing, you know, uh, getting to experience some of the great things that I got to experience. I was just not in a good place. You know, I wasn't seeing eye to eye with my boss and I was wondering why am I not getting promoted or why is this not happening or why am I not fitting in? And it's easy in those moments when things aren't going right to bail. And go see the grass on the other side and say, oh, that's the greenest grass I've ever seen. I got to go over there. It's easy during those moments to bail. My wife, thank God for my wife. She looked at me and she's like, it's not time yet. It's just not time. And so I stuck it out. And that's when God called me to Mike and Mike and I got to work on Mike and Mike and be, uh, you know, their social media director or whatever the official title was and experienced things that I'd never experienced before. I got to go cover the Final Four and the NBA Finals and the World Series and go to places I'd never been to and travel more than I've ever traveled in 17 years just in that final year at ESPN. So I'm getting to experience all these things and I see what God was doing. He's like, all right, I'm giving you everything that you wanted at ESPN, right? You wanted to be in a better place. You wanted to be in a better position. You want to work on a higher, higher um, prestige show. Uh, get these opportunities to, you know, go to these great events, but watch. And I, I went and I kept saying, this is amazing. It's the best I've ever spent at ESPN, but yet I'm still feeling called to do more for God. 
that's how I knew it was God. And yet that was a, a year process, Cole. And I remember I talked to people a lot about patience. There is active patience and there's passive patience. Mm. I had to spend that last year at ESPN actively being patient. What I meant by that is Mike and Mike would get over by 10 a.m. I would leave the office around 1230 and I would spend three to five days a week after I got off with Mike and Mike setting up calls with different people in ministry, different people who were um, potential mentors of mine, authors, writers, because I was starting to think about writing my first book then. All of these things just to talk. I wasn't looking for a job. I wasn't telling them I wanted to leave ESPN. I just wanted to build relationships with people. And through that, I thought, okay, God's going to open up a door however he's going to open it through all of this by being actively patient and letting the Lord work in the way that he had to work. That led to the conversation with Steve Stenstrom and that eventually led to the second conversation, which had me leaving. Now, how did I really know it was time to go? Because Sports Spectrum was offering me an opportunity of everything I ever wanted to do in my life, which was host a sports talk show, but through the lens of faith and being able to ask people about their walk with Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, it didn't still make a lot, whole lot of sense though. And this is where I also knew it was God because I took a 40% pay cut. I had wow. no benefits. It was a yeah. contract job and it literally was having to rely on faith on God. Yep. It yep. wasn't just, here's the same amount of money. Here's the same benefits. Uh, you know, come on over and do that. I literally had to take a step of a leap of faith and a step of faith to trust God that he was going to provide for myself, my family, even though it didn't make sense. And he has, I look back now three years and I can clearly say God has not only provided, he's, he's given me more opportunities than I would have had if I stayed at ESPN. I really believe that not only to write books, but to speak and to be able to tell these stories and expand sports spectrum in a way that um, I don't think any of us could have ever predicted when we first started this three years ago. That's awesome. And I usually ask this toward the end, but I, I kind of want to ask this now. And you mentioned that you also sort of asked a version of this question on your podcast, but I always like to ask my guests, usually if you look back kind of at a certain window of time, you know, what have you learned about God during that window of time? And I guess, you know, since maybe the last few years at ESPN to where you're at now, what have you learned about God? And more so in a sense of his character, I mean, you talk about his faithfulness to you and you having to rely on your own faith. What did, what exactly do you feel like you've learned about God during that window of time? First of all, I, my dependence on God has increased. Um, and I think that's a good thing. I think if we ever think that we have it figured out and we can control this thing on our own, that is, uh, in essence, that's, that's disconnecting from God. That's putting a hand to his face and saying, I have it, have it all figured out. So in these past three years, I've clearly seen my dependence on God has increased. I've clearly seen that I'm still a very flawed human being that needs God. Um, but I've also seen, like you said, his faithfulness, you know, and, and I believe that that was there when I left ESPN, uh, but I didn't really fully see it through until I, have walked this journey the last three years, uh, that he is faithful and that when he calls us to do something and it's for him and it's from him, he will not, you know, let it fail. Right. And failure is another story and another word we can talk about because what is success and what is fail, what is failing, right? You know, worldly success and worldly failing are one thing, 
But if we're doing something and we're following God's call in our life to do it, there is no failure. Right. From the eyes of the world, there might be, oh, you took a $40,000 pay cut. That's a lot of money. You failed. Not really, because God's calling me to do it. And if it means I got to take another $40,000 pay cut to follow what he wants me to do, then I got to go do it. And so I, I've clearly seen his faithfulness in this journey the last three years. And I'm excited now because it's 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 solidified my belief and trust in him that wherever I end up, presumably with Sports Spectrum, maybe not, who knows, that that he is faithful to see this through as long as I'm aligned and connected to him, connected to the vine. Yeah, that's great. And one of the things uh, that my faith mentor, uh, I used to take piano lessons with him. And before we would do the lesson, we would do these uh, kind of like a five minute devotional type of thing, just to kind of get our heart and our mind right. And one of the verses, there's so many verses that talk about this in a version, but just the idea that when God tells you that he's going to do something, he's going to do it. It's not a maybe. It's not a yeah, he might do this. It's no, he's going to provide for you. And he tells you he's going to provide for you. If you give him your all, if you trust in him, he's going to, he's going to provide. And that's even as Christians, we, we believe that, but as humans, it can be really hard to truly grasp that sometimes, you know, I guess from a human element, what are, what are some of the struggles you've gone through in, you know, actually having that faith to where, um, you know, you're, completely reliant on, on the Lord and not maybe second guessing. Cause I've gone through phases where I feel like I'm reliant on God. And then I kind of realize, no, I'm still trying to control everything. And so it can be hard to really put our whole faith in God. And I guess from your perspective and your experience, how have you been able to do that to where you feel like you're truly relying on God? It's an awesome question. I, I don't have, I, I wish I could give you the, the, the definite answer on this because like I said, if I had it figured out, I wouldn't need God. That's how I really feel. So, Actually, yeah, that's a great point too, because but, I, I I really like that word. Because if we if we have everything figured out, then we don't need faith, and that's ultimately like the book that I'm writing. I've arrived at that reality. So didn't mean to cut you off, but I really like that point that you were getting at. No, I, and I think that's that's it's never a problem to cut me off. Believe <laughs> me, but uh, that's how I firmly believe. I can give you everything that I think I know and everything that I have learned and my experiences, but your experiences, Cole, are going to be different. The people listening, their experiences are going to be different. All I can tell you is I've seen it with my own eyes in my own life. God has been faithful. It started back in 2001 when I asked God into my life, specifically hoping that my wife would get pregnant. This was the reason why I started my faith walk. It did not happen for two and a half years after that. So I had to understand what real faith was about and that it wasn't this genie in a lamp that I just rub and God provides whatever I want because I'm on his side. It doesn't work that way. Um, So it starts all the way back then, 18, 19 years ago uh, to now to understand, okay, I don't have it all figured out. I have experience. I have wisdom, hopefully, that I've learned over the years. But my answer will always be. I don't know if I have ever have it figured out. And that's why I got to keep reminding myself of that because I need God in my life because he's the one who's got it figured out. Now, there are very, there are many moments in my life where I I look back and I'm actually writing about this in my second book now of lessons that I've learned during my, my life where I seen God be faithful and I seen where I've trusted in him versus trusting in my own power. Um, certainly working at ESPN, it's easy to get caught up in my own power, trusting in my own ability. And that was, and continues to be even now a sports spectrum, something that I have to remind myself, it's not me, it's not me, it's not me. 
because whenever I would get, um, you know, patted on the back or get an achievement or a promotion, or, you know, I won an Emmy award in 2005, like being able to flaunt that Emmy award and show everybody my Emmy, you know, that's easy for me to get caught up in thinking that I did that. You know, my name is on the Emmy, not God's right. And so it's easy for me to say, I got the accolades, I have the awards. And I know athletes struggle with this too, because they have all the athlete, all the accolades, all the awards, the contracts, the money, and yet they reminding themselves that it's not their ability, that it's God working through them that got them there. That's my struggle. And even to this day, I can tell you, we have 1.2 million downloads of our Sports Spectrum podcast. And we had 2 million people visit our Sports Spectrum website in 2019. And we're doing amazing work for God. It's actually God doing amazing work through us. Right. And remembering that and the distinction between those two are so important. And it's a constant reminder that I need every day. That's awesome. Yeah. And one of the things, you know, before we ran out of time. We could talk about this all day. And I, I do want to talk to you about your podcast because you've gotten to talk to a ton of just notable athletes and you yeah. put these out just about every single day. And so you're, I mean, you're having a conversation with some sports figure every single day. So if you're a sports fan and you've not checked out this podcast, you need to check out the sports spectrum podcast. But what, what have you learned about just athletes in general? You know, cause a lot of times we get this idea if we're watching a game on TV we see them for the two to three hours of watching a game. Maybe sometimes we'll see their post-game interview. If we follow them on social media nowadays, you can see a little bit more about their life. But there's still so much about athletes' lives that we don't know. And um, there's a lot of Christian athletes that, you know, they might get competitive on TV and we may not always know what their faith is like. And, we, you know, this is an opportunity for us to learn what their faith is like. I guess what have you learned in general about just the variety of athletes that you've gotten to talk to and, you know, they all have different stories, but just them being able to open and share their faith, which is not something that the general person in America associates with the, you know, a high paid athlete, like, Oh, they're a strong Christian. They probably associate different ideas with athletes, but you've gotten to see a different side of them. And I'm just really fascinated with, you know, what you've taken away from those conversations. Well, I think the first thing I've, I've taken away is that they're, they're hungry to share about their faith. They just don't get a chance to do it that often in the role that they work in. So they work in, uh, you know, as athletes, they're interviewed every single day. All of these different people are sticking microphones in their faces and asking them questions every single day. Very few, if any, ever get asked about their faith. Right. It is the, from most of the athletes, I would say the majority, if not all the athletes that I've talked to, their faith is the most important thing in their life. Right. At least that's what they say. And certainly you and I will both say that. And then whether that we live that out is another story. But they'll tell me it's the most important thing. So I will ask them and I get to ask them. It is, a, it is an honor and a privilege to do th- to do this. I get to ask them about the most important thing in their life. And think about this. If the most important thing in your life is something that you don't get a chance to talk about a lot. When people do ask you about it, man, you 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 light yeah. up, right? You want right. to talk about it. So that's what I've found is when I get to ask them, tell me about your faith. Tell me about Jesus. Tell me about why you follow God's call on your life. They light up. Right. And so very few people, only one or two, I think, in all the time we've been doing this, we've done over 450 interviews now, and all of those, very few have actually turned down a request to be on the show. Now, I've had issues where I can't get to the person, so I have no idea if they'd say yes, Tim Tebow, I'm talking to you. But 
only one or two people who have actually gotten to and said, would you be willing to come on our show have said no. Everybody else says yes. Why do they say yes? Because they get to talk about the most important thing in their life right. that they don't normally get to talk about. Right. And so right. that's what I've, I've discovered with our show, with our podcast, uh, soon to be a radio show, which I'm excited about. All of these people that we interview are, are talking about the most important thing in their life and they light up, they, they get excited about it. Now, not everybody is, uh, as clear in being able to convey what their faith is or, um, isn't, you know, the most eloquent talker to go deep into why God has working on their soul and all these other things. Not everybody can go there. And I get that, but everybody can at least tell me about who Jesus is to them, what they believe and, uh, and how it's helped them in their walk uh, and, and in their journey. And that's what I still, even to this day, just finishing up a couple podcasts before you and I taped, that's what I get most excited about. Uh, is being able to talk to these guys and gals, not just men, certainly women too, about their faith and, um, and intersecting that. I love that word. We intersect sports with faith. So I still want to ask them about the big home run that they hit and the experience of winning a World Series, the experience of playing in a Super Bowl. But I want to ask them about it with a twist. I want to say, okay, what was that experience like as a believer in Jesus versus right. just as a football player? And that's the big thing I, I take away coming out of these interviews is I get to talk to athletes about the most important thing in their life. That's great. And you mentioned the radio show. I didn't know this before we talked. So how, how is this radio show uh, going to work? Is it going to be syndicated on a certain station or I guess kind of what are the details for that? Well, Cole, you're getting the exclusive, my friend, because <laughs> right. nobody else. I haven't even put this on social media yet, and I don't know when this is going to air, but the, the deal is done. And what happened, I love sharing the story and I can't wait to share it more with more people. Um, somebody who, who runs uh, a radio station in Washington, DC, a Christian radio station, heard our podcast and came to us and said, do you think you would ever be interested in taking the podcast and making it a radio show? And immediately I started thinking, yes, yes, yes. Obviously there's a lot of conversations that need to be had with my bosses, but that's kind of where I always dreamed this podcast would go is expanding into different areas of media. I still dream someday that sports spectrum has, you know, events that we can go and, and come to Western Kentucky where you were in college and, and, and let's do a sports spectrum event where we do a live interview on the stage and we have worship and we have a pastor give a 20 minute yeah. word or whatever. I dream about that. And I still think someday if God wants that to happen, we'll do it. But I've also dreamed about expanding the, the, the podcast into a radio show and maybe even someday into a television show. And when she called and said that she had heard our podcast and thought we'd be a good fit on her radio show on her radio network, uh, in a radio station, I should say in Washington, DC, I, I was really excited. I talked to my bosses and it's an opportunity to being in one of the top markets in the country, right. Washington, DC. And it's what I believe will be the first of what could be more radio stations picking up sports spectrum as a syndicated show. It will not be a, a, a radio show that is specifically catered for Washington DC audiences. Although we will, I will keep that in mind early on that we have a DC audience only, but we will basically take what we're doing with the podcast and make it 28 minutes and 30 seconds. Cause that's the time you have <laughs> for a 30 minute radio show and bring that to the radio audience and the radio airwaves. So that's what we're doing. Uh, it starts tentatively March 1st, but that's don't 
This is for the audience to say, I don't know exactly when, but it's going to be sometime in late February or early March. We're going to take this Sports Spectrum podcast and make it Sports Spectrum Radio. So, so that'd be separate from the podcast, or like, will you still record podcasts as normal, and then will the radio show just be kind of a separate entity underneath that brand? I guess. Yeah. So the podcast is going to continue. Uh, they'll, we'll, I think we're doing five podcasts a week now. We'll go to about three podcasts is the plan. Um, so we'll have three a week, maybe even, maybe even two a week, depending on the workload. But I think three is about, is a, is a good place to be. Uh, we will do some exclusive, you know, radio only interviews and then we'll do, but most of what I'd like to do is tape the podcast and then just turn that into a 28 minute version of a radio show. Right. So my goal, as I do these interviews, I'm thinking about both the podcast and the radio show. And I would like to air every podcast that gets released. I would love it to be just, that's the radio show interview that day. Uh, and what I'd like to do is do longer interviews and then cut it down to 28 minutes and say for more, do you want to hear more interview, more conversation from the interview you heard on this radio show? Go check out the podcast. Right. Um, I haven't figured that all out yet. I'm still in the, in this, in the figuring out stage of the production right. of all this. Um, it's going to be, you know, solo, pro, a solo project. So I'm doing it, I'm editing it, I'm hosting it, I'm producing it. And I have to figure out what the best workload is and what the best balance is to do that. But the goal is to tape the interview and have it run both on the podcast and the radio show. So that's the plan, at least today. And you've got a book coming out in July. This is going to be a busy year for you. I made. I wanted to make sure I talked to you about uh, your first book and the book that you got coming out. So I guess we'll start with the first book that you wrote, Live to Forgive. Uh, I know that you, you kind of wrote on your website, it came from kind of experiences with your father, but uh, I think the idea of forgiveness is just a topic that anybody can stand to listen to. I mean, it's something that I think we all need to hear about. Yes. Just kind of, uh, you know, summarize, I guess, a little bit about where the idea for this book came from and what you're hoping to, what, what you're hoping people will take away from this book. Well, that's the reason why I wrote it, because it's such a, it's such a universal topic that everybody has experience with forgiveness or unforgiveness for that matter. Um, I, I never set out to write a book. I, I still feels weird to call me an author because I, I have zero desire to write. Uh, it's not my favorite thing to do. I'm an audio guy, a video guy. I'm a producer. I'm not a writer. Um, but four years ago around the same time that remember that active patients we talked about, uh, around that same time, uh, an opportunity came for me to speak, uh, at my church. And I shared the story of my dad and I and forgiveness and, uh, reconciliation and, and this story of, um, a broken relationship with my alcoholic father. And I told somebody and they listened to the podcast of that, of that story that I had given at my sermon at the church. And basically that person who is also a pastor out in California told me, you need to write a book on this. And I just laughed at him really loudly <laughs> and said, you're crazy. Cause I'm never writing a book. And, uh, you know, when we make plans, God laughs, right? Because that never turned into the book that you just referenced that came out, um, two years ago, January of 2018. And yes, it's called live to forgive. Um, it's been an amazing journey these last couple of years with people with being able to tell my story and I'm continuing to be asked to tell the story at different places, conferences and churches and places like that. But to have the, have people read your life, your story, and then respond, and then uh, be able to engage, to be able to relate to my experiences, um, 
it's it's an incredible honor. And I can see why the Lord wanted me to write this book. And I'll say it, God wanted me to write it. Because I, I told you, I, I do not like writing and I did not want to write this book. Thankfully, I found an amazing partner in Stephen Copeland, who I know you've met and, and had on your podcast as well. And Stephen and I have been friends for a while now, about seven years, eight years or so. And he believed in my story and helped me craft it and helped me write it. And he's my co-author. You know, that's what I call him. He's not a ghost writer, which some other people, he's my co-author with both Live to Forgive and my second book, The Uniform of Leadership. And Stephen has a real gift to bring out uh, thoughts, feelings, emotions, and putting them into word form. And he helped me tremendously. This book, Live to Forgive, would not happen without Stephen Copeland. And um, I might still speak about it because that's easy (laughs) in my eyes. But to write it and put it in book form, you know, without Steve, I don't I don't think this book would ever have happened. And I'm grateful for him and uh, and grateful that Live to Forgive is out there. It's a book that's going to be out for a long time. And I don't mean that obviously it'll be out for a long time, but I mean, people can read it 5, 10, 20 years from now and still relate to it. Right. Um, it's not a dated book. It's not something that changes because of technology or changes because of landscapes and and, and the way our society is. We're always going to be struggling with forgiveness because we are humans and, you know, without the Lord's forgiving us, uh, you know, we could never understand what real forgiveness is about to be able to exemplify that to others. And um, it's been an amazing journey to be able to be a part of the first book. And I'm even more excited uh, about the second book because it's not as deep and it's not as, you know, uh, I guess uh, the depths of this second book aren't as 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 hard to go to right <laughs> as the first book was because the first book was about my life and my feelings towards my dad i mean of all people to write about but the second book is just lessons that i learned from espn and that, that's a lot lighter of a book but still important i think yeah yeah and and steve steven was awesome to talk to and uh he's very selfless because he just was like i don't want to take the credit for my clients books i kind of want to let them shine and so he, he just I really enjoyed the conversation with him because he's so much smarter than I realized he was like, just the like, that's not to say oh that gosh. I, not, not to say that I thought he was dumb by any means, but I, I was blown away by his intellect. So if anybody has not checked out that episode, the one with Stephen Copeland, I mean, it, it just theologically, he is one of the most impressive people I've talked to. And so, um, yeah, I, interested to hear about, you know, how he worked with you on that. I know that he, I talked to him over the summer and, he mentioned just you know all the different people he's gotten to work on books with, and obviously he's proud of that and and loves doing that. And so it's no surprise to me to hear that you had such a great experience with him. But and he does have he's one of the smartest people I've ever met too, uh, but he's a deep thinker. So he will not just take what is said from anybody, you know, even like your your basic system of beliefs for Christianity, right? Not that Stephen is off the wall or anything like that. He, he has a solid foundation and faith in Christ, but he will challenge it and go deeper a little bit and say, okay, is this what everybody else wants me to believe? Or is this what I'm supposed to believe? Is this what I believe? Right. Is this what scripture says? What is God really trying to say here? Not what is people saying that God is saying here? He's one of the deepest thinkers I've ever met. And that actually helped me with being able to write Live to Forgive because he challenged me and took me to places that honestly I hadn't thought about in years and didn't think we'd ever go to. Uh, but because of that that gift that Steve has of not just being a gift a gifted writer, but a gifted thinker, 
allowed me to go places that I never would have thought of going. So I'm, you know, I, I know he's the most, you know, one of the most selfless people that you'll ever meet and doesn't want to take credit, but he deserves all of the credit in my eyes for this book, uh, for both books, honestly, because I am not a good writer and I don't have a desire to write. And so these, <laughs> these would not exist in book form if it wasn't for Steve Copeland. So I'm, I'm forever in debt to him. Yeah. What, what are you hoping people get from this book that's coming out in July? I mean, I know you said it's a little bit lighter in terms of the content. It's kind of more about your experience at ESPN, but what, what, is, what is your, are you hoping the takeaway to be for people that read that book? Even you saying this makes me think, I don't think that the content is lighter now that I think about it. It's deep content. It's just different content. It's not, it's not it, you challenge- don't have to be I guess, you know. <laughs> exactly. It's not you challenging your, your soul yeah. <laughs> to forgive the person that hurt you over these many years. Um, it, instead, this is more of a book about leadership. And it's this is the book I think that I always envisioned if I was going to write a book, it would be this book. Certainly never envisioned writing a book about forgiveness of my dad, but this book is stories and lessons from my 17 years at ESPN and even lessons from outside of ESPN, but mostly from my ESPN life. Um, I call them true success, lessons on true success. And what is true success? It goes back to what you and I were talking about earlier. True success is following and aligning yourself with the will of God. And that's what I felt like as a leader when I experienced, um, you know, true success as a leader at ESPN and even away from ESPN, it was when I was aligned with God's will. Uh, but I saw people living out these lessons in all the different experiences and stories that I had at ESPN. Stories like spending the day with Drew Brees and watching this Hall of Fame quarterback um, not only serve others in the way that he acted and the way that he was, but just to be diligent to his craft. This is after he had won a Super Bowl. And he stayed with it and he made sure that he got his reps in. He made sure that his practices were there. What a great leadership lesson to see from one of the great quarterbacks of all time. Guys like Tony Dungy, one of the great coaches of all time and great people of all time. And watching how he lived out his life uh, as a leader in the small time that I spent with him at ESPN. Uh, People like Jenny Finch, one of the great softball players of all time. Her stories in the book. And then it's people that you don't know. It's the cashier at the counter at ESPN in the cafeteria uh, named Tammy, who I spent pretty much every day of my of my journey at ESPN going and buying something from the cafeteria from Tammy. Tammy was a cashier at ESPN, and she's one of the great leaders ESPN has ever seen. And you might say, well, how is she a great leader? She's a cashier. Trust me, she's one of the great leaders you will ever see. And there's a whole chapter on Tammy in this upcoming book. So it's not just the Drew Breeses and the Tony Dungies and the Jenny Finches. It's also humanizing it to the people that I saw and encountered with every single day at ESPN and seeing how you can be a leader right where you're at. It doesn't matter about job, job status or title or the amount of money you make or the prestige or the, you know, the influence that you have. It is about being a leader in the place and blooming right where you got, where God has planted you. And that's the goal in this book is to, you know, share these lessons that I've learned uh, with others. And I think it's going to be a book that reaches a, a wider audience than Live to Forgive, even though that story of forgiveness is for everybody. Not everybody's just picking it up and going through a book on forgiveness with their team. But this second book is a book you can go through with your team at your office. A sports team will go through this book, I believe, and take away a lot of lessons that they can put together and make their team a better team. Uh, 
churches will be able to go through this book and take leadership lessons and become better leaders within that space of influence. Um, so I really believe athletes will be able to, to read it and get something out of it. I really believe this book is going to reach a wider audience of people who just want to be better leaders. And the best leaders are the, are the people who serve. Jesus was the, you know, the ultimate servant leader. And that's where this book comes from a place of is just trying to be more like Christ as leaders. That's great. I think, you know, for me, I definitely can relate to that because there's times whenever we feel like we need to be in kind of a bigger circle or a bigger market or have a bigger influence to do what God is calling us to do. And you're saying no it doesn't matter if there's a million people or 10 people, which I think Look is at, a great message. And here's, I, I heard this recently about a month ago at a conference I was at from a pastor. I, th- I forget who the pastor was, but he said, Jesus doesn't tell us to count the sheep in the Bible, in his, in his par- parables. He says to feed the sheep, not count the sheep. And we get so caught up in our platform of counting the amount of followers that we have and the amount of people that we can reach. I'm guilty of this. I do this too. I, I Every day I look at the podcast numbers and see how many people did the podcast. Me too. <laughs> every single day. It's really an obsession that I wish I could stop and I can't. I but I remember, agree. as a reminder, I remember, remember, you're feeding the sheep, not counting the sheep. And so if I do this podcast, if you do your podcast, Colin, one person listens to it and takes away something that they can implement in their life, then that is ministry. That is influence. Leadership is influence. Influence is serving. And it's one person at a time. It really is. And we get caught up in seeing, and I get caught up in seeing, this person wrote a book and sold 15,000, 30,000, 500,000. John Gordon, one of my mentors, just put that his book, The Energy Bus, has sold over 2 million copies that's insane to me that you would get that high. My book, I think, has sold three or 4,000 copies, maybe a little bit more, depending on how many I've given out. But <laughs> maybe 5,000 people have read the book, we'll say, or have a copy of it. That's a nice number, and I can get caught up in saying, oh, that's not a lot of people. But if, if one person, and one person has actually come back to me and said, the book that you wrote has helped me in my life, well, that's all that matters. And so remember that those those who are listening about influence leadership whatever you want to call it platform feed the sheep don't count the sheep and just worry about the one and remember jesus went after the one 99 were there one departed he went after the one so he was feeding his sheep he was worried about the one not about the numbers and that's an easy way for us to bring that back into our lives and remembering that we are called to feed the sheep not to count the sheep well, I think that's a great great place to land the plane here with this conversation. That's awesome. I, I needed to hear that. And I know that I think anybody listening probably can relate to that to some degree. So your book comes out July 2020. Where can people buy it if they want to buy it? Yes. Yeah, so right now, the new book, um, Uniform Leadership, is is as far as I've seen, only available on Amazon. It may be other places. It's a pre-order right now. Um, would love to get the pre-order numbers up. Um, we'll be doing a probably sort of a a more specific promotion on pre-orders sometime late spring, I would say, uh, of 2020. Right now, we're still in the winter months, and, and the book's not even finished yet. It's, we've wrote it, and it's the manuscript submitted, and the cover is done, but there's still editing that's being done on the book right now. Right. So there's still that process that's got to happen. Uh, but it'll be it's available right now to pre-order on Amazon. It'll be available at my website as well, jasonromano.com. And Live to Forgive, which has been out for a couple of years now, is available everywhere books are found. Amazon, Books a Million, Barnes and, Barnes and Noble, my website. Um, and yeah, I mean, 
I'm excited about this new book. I really am. Uh, I don't know how much publicity, quote unquote, that I'll be doing for it. I hope to do as much as people would want to have, you know, me talk about it. But uh, I'm just excited for for it to get into people's hands and for them to read it because I really think it's going to make an impact. I really do. Yeah, I know that you know when this episode comes out, it'll still be a few months till that book comes out. But I hope people that are listening, you know, bookmark it. I'll be sure to have a link in the episode description so people can make sure that they bookmark it. You know, if if this topic of leadership you know, interest you. I feel like this is going to, I'm excited to read this. And so I can't wait for that to come out. And Jason, just thank you so much for, for joining this podcast and sharing your story. And it was fun to talk to you about your experiences at ESPN, you know, as a, as a former sports journalist, I'm always, uh, ESPN was always the dream for anybody that worked in sports journalism. So to hear, you know, kind of live vicariously through you a little bit was, was a little fun, but thank you so much and, and keep up the awesome work with sports spectrum. It's such a great, podcast for sports fans that also, you know, want to hear people's story about faith. I think what you're doing is, is awesome. And so thank you for doing that. And I hope to see the, the podcast grow. I'm excited about the radio station for you as well. So you got a lot of, you got a lot of stuff to look forward to this year. Yeah. Cole, thank you so much. I'm excited about 2020 and what the heck, you know, who knows where God's going to take us, you know, into the next year or so, but I'm excited for you and your show as well. And I uh, just really appreciate you having me on. Thanks so much. Well, I really enjoyed that conversation with Jason. I just think that his story of leaving ESPN to pursue a career that he felt like God was calling him to do is another great example of faith. It's very similar to a lot of the stories we've heard from other guests so far on this show. If you want to purchase his first book, Live to Forgive, or pre-order his new book, The Uniform of Leadership, I'll have links in the show description, so please make sure you check those out. You can also visit his website, jasonromano.com, and purchase them there. I'll also have links to his social media, so please make sure to reach out to him. Let him know that you enjoyed hearing him on this show. And since he and I talked, I've actually been writing for Sports Spectrum, so I'll have links in the show description to some of the work that I've done there. If you need me at all, you guys know where to find me, Cole Claiborne, on pretty much any social media platform. Please reach out. Let me know what you think of the show so far. We're 10 episodes in, and we've got some great guests lined up for the future, and so I'm really excited about that. But thank you guys so much for listening. Please find time this week to slow down and not be in a hurry, and we'll see you next week.